Anderson. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, nice to see all of you here today. Thank you very much for allowing me to come and speak. Um, I want to talk today about uh, enemies. Now, it might seem like an odd topic, you know, uh, coming just off of the light and fun Easter egg hunt and Easter coming right up and everything, uh, but it'll make sense as we go along. Um, I'm going to start with uh, King David back in the Old Testament had a lot of enemies. He had people who were trying to kill him, people trying to destroy him with slander, and people who were just trying to hurt him in any number of ways, right? Give put harm on him in, in any kind of way. And so often in the Psalms, he would, um, <laughs> often he would cry out to God for help with all of this. And so we're going we're gonna to hop into Psalm 58 to start off with. It says, do you rulers indeed speak justly? Do you judge people with equity? No. In your heart you devise injustice, and your hands mete out violence on the earth. Even from birth the wicked go astray. From the womb they are wayward, spreading lies. Their venom is like the venom of a snake, like that of a cobra that has stopped its ears, that will not heed the tune of the charmer, however skillful the enchanter may be. Now here, the venom, all that, he's talking about the lies that, these, that his enemies were telling and trying to destroy him. Um, and so uh, those enemies, like this snake, they, they stopped their ears and were, they, were, they were on a mission. They couldn't hear the charmer, you know, the snake charmer, the, you know, you know they, they, they couldn't hear that because they were on a mission. So man couldn't stop these people. It had to be God. It had to be God to help David out. So he cried out to God, and he said, break the teeth in their mouths, O God. That's, what's the most dangerous part of, that, of, of the cobra? It's the fangs, the venom, right? Break the teeth off. Stop them from being able to harm me. Tear, uh, Lord, tear out the fangs of those lions, right? Dangerous part of the lion, biting down the teeth, right? Uh, let them be, uh, sorry, let them vanish like water that flows away. When they draw the bow, let their arrows fall short, again, hampering their ability to attack. May they be like a slug that melts away as it moves along, like a stillborn child that never sees the sun. These are, these are some really graphic images that David is, is uh, praying for here. Um, and he did that often. Uh, and he, he goes even further in, in another psalm. But uh, remember that these are, these are songs. These are things that people sang. Can you imagine on a Sunday morning singing, Lord, let our enemies be like slugs. <laughs> right? These, these are songs. He goes further with even more graphic imagery. Um, like the, here he's just talking about, you know, hampering them from being able to attack. But in Psalm 109, he says, starting in verse 6, Appoint someone evil to oppose my enemy. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. So not only does he want somebody to, to take, take him out, wants it to be somebody that's right next to this guy, like a trusted advisor, stab him in the back. Do something evil to this guy, please, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> when he is tried, let him be found guilty. May his prayers condemn him. 
I mean, this guy might have even prayed, prayed to God to say, hey, uh, take David out for me. <laughs> God's not going to do that, man. <laughs> David, was, David was on God's side. And then he says, may his days be few. May another take his place of leadership. May his children be fatherless and his widow and his wife, a widow, kill this guy for me, God, please. Let this guy die. It gets even worse. May his children be wandering beggars. May they be driven from their ruined homes. May a creditor seize all he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his labors. David wanted... God to not only make the guy suffer, but also his wife, his children. He wanted everything that the guy has worked for his entire life to be destroyed and stolen from him. May no one extend kindness to him or take pity on his fatherless children. May his descendants be cut off, their names blotted out from the next generation. I don't want anybody to have known that this guy existed. That's the kind of thing that David was praying. May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord. May the sin of his mother never be blotted out. So he wanted not only, not only punishment for the things that this guy was doing, but also punishment of what his mom and dad did. Put it all on this guy. May their sins always remain before the Lord that he may blot out their name from the earth. I don't want anybody to know that this guy even existed. Now, a new Christian, when, when, they, they become, when, they, when someone becomes a Christian, there's, the big selling point is God's love and forgiveness. It's shown in the, one of the most famous verses of the Bible, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, right? He gave us Jesus to pay for, for our, our sins to forgive us. And so this new Christian thinks, okay, I want to know more about God. Uh, people say I should read the Bible, find out more about God. About God. Okay, let's open it up. Genesis 1-1, page 1. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. Hey, I know that verse, right? Uh, that, that's the creation thing. And then we get through Adam and Eve. And then pretty soon we get to a lot of violence. Um, and condoned violence. God decreed violence. When, when God told his people, the Jewish people, to take out entire cities, told, told them to slaughter men, women, children, even the animals, just slaughter them all. God himself taking out entire cities with fire, with his angels, right? Sodom and Gomorrah leveled those cities. And then even heroes of the Old Testament, right? You've got Samson surrounded by a bunch of enemies, had the jawbone of a donkey, slaughtered dozens of them. A hero of the Old Testament, condoned violence. And so this new Christian, hearing these things, might think, where's this God of love that I was hearing about before? <laughs> like, this, is, this is some gnarly stuff. And so they might think, well, I've been sold a false bill of goods. Like, what's going on here? And even me, like, I've, been, I've been fortunate to have known God all my life. I, I don't remember a time when I wasn't a Christian. I accepted him and his sacrifice at a very young age. Got baptized maybe like first grade, second grade. And so I've known God all this time. I'm turning 40 in November and, and even I 
have struggled with this concept. Even until like a couple of months ago, I finally reconciled this whole thing. Where is the, this God of love? Because we, we learned, I learned as a kid, you know, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. The truth is, like, his love is throughout the entire Bible, and, and we'll, we'll describe that here. At the end of Psalm 58, it's starting verse 10, it says, The righteous will be glad when they are avenged, when they dip their feet in the blood of the wicked. Still very graphic imagery. Then people will say, surely the righteous are still rewarded. Surely there is a God who judges the earth. The truth of the matter is, God loves justice. And it's because of that that a number of these different things happen. God loves justice. He is so good and pure that he must see that justice is done. And we love justice too. We cry out for justice. Like when we see uh, a movie and we see the villain uh, gets what they deserve, right? They're either killed, thrown in jail, something like that. They get what they deserve. We say, yes, justice has been served. The hero has won. Goodness has won. Or even in, in children's movies, it doesn't have to be all that violent. In a children's movie, when, or a family movie, when the bully uh, who's been humiliating the lead character the whole time finally gets humiliated themselves, we're like, yes, justice. They got what they deserved. So we cry out for that justice. But what happens when justice is coming our way? Are we rejoicing when justice is coming towards us? Or do we sort of slough it off? We, we say, oh, what I did wasn't all that bad. Or we justify it. Well, I had to do it. Or we try to lessen the blow of justice. And that reminds me of, of a story. It's actually an Easter story. Uh, I was maybe four years old, so this was 1986. Um, back in the 80s, there was a different kind of uh, grass in the bottom of Easter baskets, right? Today, you can get some good biodegradable stuff. It's made of paper. It's thick. Back in the 80s, it was made out of a thin, shredded plastic that absolutely loved static electricity. And so, just like glitter, it would get everywhere. And it was impossible to clean it up. There's still some of that Easter grass somewhere in somebody's living room. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> And so my brother and I decided that we would do a little ticker tape parade that day in the living room with this stuff, throwing it around, having a blast. It was great until mom came around the corner and she was so mad, so very mad. Now, mom would spank us. Uh, she, she would, uh, you know, with her hand or with a switch usually, a little thin stick, like... <laughs> Ow. But what she said then was, wait until your dad gets home. <laughs> we knew we were in big trouble then. Because my dad, anytime we would do something wrong, he would, my dad is from Mississippi, by the way, so he, um, he, he would say this, I think it's about time you had a talk with Mr. Brown Belt. <laughs> right? Yeah. 
And I still remember the sound of that belt hitting every loop as it came off. And then he'd snap it in front of us. If that doesn't put the fear of God into a four-year-old, I don't know what will. <laughs> so when mom said, oh, by the, by the way, that belt, I still remember that it was thick leather too. It had, there were metal accents woven into that belt. It was a serious belt. So when mom said, wait until your dad gets home, we knew we were in for it. So we, we thought of a brilliant idea. You know, we'll try to lessen the pain of this punishment. We'll try to not get punished as badly. Let's put on two pairs of pants. And that's, let's make sure that they're jeans, too, so they're nice and thick. We're not going to feel it so bad. And as we were struggling to button that second pair of jeans over the first pair, Mom, again, came around the corner. We weren't hiding it. We were just trying to see if we could get this on. And, and she said, nope, nope, take it off. You're getting the full brunt of this. Justice was coming to us, and we could not avoid it. And <laughs> you see, and God loves that justice. In Proverbs 10, 16, he says, The wages of the righteous is life, but the earnings of the wicked are sin and death. Again, he is so good and so pure that he must see that justice is done. If he didn't, then he wouldn't be God. In Psalm 96, 13, it says, Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. He is good and faithful that he will see that justice is done. I thank God for that. Thank God that he, that he is so good that justice comes. When my dad would whip us, I feared him. I feared that punishment. But did I hate my dad? Absolutely not. I knew that I deserved the whipping. I knew that, that I deserved that justice. In the same fashion, when God delivers justice upon us, when he delivers justice upon me, I know that I deserve it. I know that I deserve that justice. And so do I hate God for it? Absolutely not. I love God for his justice. Do I enjoy the punishment? No. <laughs> but I love him for it. Now, here's a little side note about whippings and things. <laughs> In Proverbs 24, 17, it says, do not gloat when your enemy falls. When, he, when they stumble, do not let your, let your heart rejoice, or the Lord will see and disapprove and turn his wrath away from them. Where do you think that wrath is going to if you're, if you're the one gloating? Have you ever seen your sibling, cousin, or friend get whipped and you laugh and then the whipper grabs you and whips you too? <laughs> and you say, well, I didn't do anything. You laughed. That's biblical justice. <laughs> that is biblical justice <laughs> that you are receiving there. <laughs> so all this talk about justice 
and enemies, back to enemies. Have you ever thought that you might be someone's enemy? You might think, well, I can't be somebody's enemy. I am a Christian. I'm good. First off, Jesus says there is not one good person in the world. Only good one is God. And you say, well, I'm not, I'm not trying to kill this person. I, 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 like David had people trying to kill him. I'm not trying to kill anybody. Well, are you spreading any lies about anybody? Are you holding them back? by the things that you do, holding them back from growing? Now, that's not to say that being someone's enemy is, like, has to be bad. Being someone's enemy isn't necessarily bad in and of itself. I was reading through the book of Acts recently, and I saw the apostles, uh, you know, Peter and Paul and the rest of them, were getting persecuted so very much for, uh, for spreading the news of Jesus. Right, for spreading the gospel. They were, people were trying to kill them. People were throwing them in jail. They were throwing them out of town, trying to get rid of them. But you have to think, you have to know that the Jewish leaders at the time had gotten very comfortable in their religion. From the, in the Old Testament, the last book to be written in the Old Testament, not the one that's, that's the last one in the in the Old Testament, but the one, last one that was actually written, I think it was Chronicles. There, there, there are some different studies that show maybe it was this one, maybe it was that one. But a period of about 400 years is between the last book that was written in the Old Testament and Jesus' birth. 400 years of no new uh, canonized scripture. And so the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders, had gotten very comfortable with the status quo. They'd gotten very comfortable in doing things the same way every time, and they got stagnant. They weren't growing. They weren't changing. They wanted things to remain exactly how they were. And the, the apostles came along, Jesus came along, and changed all of that. It made them go through growing pains. That's why they're called growing pains, because they hurt. They make you uncomfortable. And they were promoting this growth and change, and these leaders said, no, we don't want that. It's, it hurts. Ow, stop. <laughs> and so these, these leaders were the enemies of growth and change, while the apostles were the enemies of stagnation. So let me rephrase it. Rather than, are you someone's enemy, what, who or what are you the enemy of? Are you the enemy of growth and change, or are you the enemy of stagnation? Now, there are, there are some wonderful traditions that we have, and I'm going to talk about those in a second after uh, I'm going to read another verse. 1 Peter 1.17 says, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in, in reverent fear, for you know that it was not perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. We're going to talk about that in a second, the empty way of life. That's part, partially, that's, you know, the, just the sameness of, of religion rather than growth and change. 
But with the precious blood of, of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but he was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. If you believe in Jesus, you believe in God. Your faith is filtered through Jesus to God. Now, this, this sacrifice that Jesus gave is the reason that we celebrate Easter, right? His sacrifice for our sins. In the Old Testament, they were required to bring, or the, the Jewish people were required to bring sacrifices to the temple for the different kinds of sins that they would do, whether it was a lamb, a ram, a bull, some doves, some wheat, some olive oil, all kinds of sacrifices for their sins. Jesus paid for all of it. He was the perfect sacrifice for all of our sins. And again, that's why we celebrate Easter. And when Peter is talking about here this, um, this empty way of life that's passed down to us, there are some great traditions like Easter that remind us of Jesus' sacrifice, that remind us of, of God's goodness, like Christmas, you know, you know where we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Wonderful traditions. But there are also traditions that are passed down to us that are not so good that are harmful, like racism. Like that's something that we, we aren't born racist. We, you have to be taught to be racist. That's something that's passed down from generation to generation. That kind of stuff, that kind of tradition is something that hinders growth. It hinders change, not only in us, but the, to the people that we're perpetrating this on and the world around that. There are so many traditions that, that have been passed down to us that, that sometimes we don't even realize that we are continuing those traditions. I, I love that God is just. I love that those who... who perpetrate these evils will see justice. Like in Psalm 93, I rejoice that God's judgment will come on them. Now, there are people who meet Jesus later on in life, or even on their deathbed. They, they've lived their entire lives without truly knowing God, and on their deathbed, they accept Jesus. That is also just. It's justice. Justice was met out on Jesus for all of our sins. And that is glorious. That, and, and it's even said in, like, Jesus uh, shared a story in Matthew 20 about this guy that owned a vineyard. And uh, he went out at 9 a.m., hired some guys to, to work in the vineyard. And he said, all right, I'll give you a full day's pay. Come and work in my vineyard. He goes out at noon, hires some more people. I'll give you a full day's pay, work in my vineyard. Three o'clock, hire some more people. Full day's pay, come work in my vineyard. Five o'clock, come work for me. Full day's pay, come work in my vineyard today. At six o'clock, after the five o'clock people had only been there for one hour, 
he, he starts to give out the pay for the day. Five o'clock people get paid one, that rate. The nine o'clock people are saying, oh, well, I'll probably get paid more since I've been working this whole time. They get up to get paid, they get paid the same rate. And they say, hey, I've been here the whole day. These guys only worked an hour. I've been here the entire time. Like, that's not fair. And the vineyard owner says, well, who are you to say how I use my money? I'm giving you what we agreed on. Why can't I be generous to someone else? And it's in that same way. Like, I, I am very thankful that I was one of the 9 o'clock a.m. people. <laughs> that I... I knew God the whole time. I am incredibly blessed to have this, that I knew God my entire life, know God, and I had a job. I, I wasn't worrying about where I stood. The people who were hired later in the day, the five o'clock people lived their lives in pain and trouble and didn't know where they were going to see, get food. They didn't know where they were going to be fed, how they were going to live. They were lost. But God still found them. They were still able to find God. It's, it is tremendous. I'm going to end with this. Um, 1 Peter chapter 3, starting verse 8, says, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and the ears and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil." When Jesus said, love thy neighbor, he wasn't coming up with that at that time. That's a quote from, Levit from Leviticus, from the Old Testament. God is the same throughout the entire Bible. It's only our perspective of him changes. His love is throughout the entire thing, and so is his justice. So I'm going to ask you again. Are you the enemy of growth and change? Or are you the enemy of stagnation? Take that with you when you encounter your friends and family this week coming up to Easter. Talk with them with that in mind. Are you helping them to grow and change? Let's pray. Thank you so very much, Lord, that you have blessed us with justice. Thank you, Lord, that you are so good and pure that you will see that those who do wrong are paid for it. Thank you, Lord, that you have suffered on the cross for our sins so that justice 
the justice for our sins is not met on us. Lord, thank you that you have spread your love to us in so many different ways, that you give, you've given us so many different ways to see that you love us. Lord, we ask that you help us to spread that love to those that are around us. Let us help and not hinder. Let us be a proponent of growth and change, not only in ourselves, but in those around us. If we are someone's enemy, Lord, let it be an enemy for good. It's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen.